so good to be with you all this morning. Central Coast weather, like Bill said, told my kids, it's going to be hot. You're, you shouldn't wear that. You're wearing too much. And my son refused. He's like, no, I'm wearing my pants. And we get down here, he goes, I told you, Dad. I'm like, ah, oh, great. But it's so great to be with you. And this morning, we are starting a brand new series and ending a series. It's a one-shot one series. I got this sermon. Todd texted out the teaching team and said, hey, we didn't want to speak on, what is today, the fifth? On the fifth. First one to reply back gets it. I'm like, yes, I'm in. I love the one-stop sermon. The teach on whatever you want, and there's no follow-up afterwards. There's no, like, building case or series. It's just whatever I want to teach about. By the way, I am married to a beautiful woman, Braylon, over here. But, uh, yeah, look at her. Come on now. Dang. Woo. The Lord blesses indeed. And I, uh, <laughs> uh, and I, I forgot to wear my ring today, so I just want, I feel really weird about that. So I'm not like a creepy pastor who's like, hey, I'm, I'm married, I, I'm totally stoked. Um, but I wear, I wear those rubber workout rings, you know, and I just didn't put it on. But I am married and my heart is hers all day, my gosh. Why am I talking about that? I don't know, it has nothing to do with the topic. So today's sermon, today's series is probably not for you. That's a weird way to start. Today's sermon is probably not for you. Truly, it is probably not for you, at least most of you, right now. But if you're a human being, as indeed most of you look like hominids out there, you're indeed humans. If you're a human being existing on this planet with any degree of awareness or responsibility this will be for you at some point. This sermon, I want you to think of it kind of like one of those in case of emergency break glass sermons. You know those things? You see them in the hallway in case of emergency break glass, okay? Uh, or these, these little tools. And if you have one of these, you know what this is? Anyone know what this is right here? Folks at home, do you know what this is? It's like, what is that? No one knows what this is. Neither do I, but I get one like almost every Christmas from my parents as a stocking stuffer. So this is an emergency if you're in a car accident and you go like into a river or something and you can't escape, you use this tool. You, you open it up and it can break glass and cut a seatbelt. Now, I wanted to use it for my sermon this morning and it took me almost 10 minutes to find it in my car. So depending on the accident, I have 10 minutes probably to get, uh, get a hold of it and figure out how it works. By that time, I'm at the bottom of a lagoon or something. So it's kind of like that. You might today just sit back, enjoy a message for someone else. But if you're human, there might be a point in time where you got to dig through the glove box and find this sermon and open it up and say, okay, here I am. So that's kind of nice. It takes the pressure off, right? If dolphins show up, you can watch them and not pay attention because this sermon's probably not for you. So today I want to talk to you about a topic, some called burnout. Burnout, not the surf spot, but the psychosocial pneumatic experience of collapse. Just as a show of hands, in the River Church, one of the things we love is we're kind of real. I think, I mean, 
we all have little things maybe we hide and fake, but one of our core values is authenticity. We really want to say, come as you are and be who you are. Jesus loves you, not the avatar that you project at church to be good and tidy. So just a show of hands, how many of you, how many of, you have ever hit or gotten near burnout in your life before? Let's see the hand. Look around real quick. Just take a peek. It's a real thing. Burnout. Under sustained periods of stress, over could be months, it could be intense weeks, it could be years, that add up, increased irritability, the desire to isolate. When negativity and cynicism become the language you dream in, when there's just always too much, and when the phone rings and you're just angry, how dare you call me, Grandma? Can't you tell I'm busy? Right When it's always something small is going wrong, burnout. It could be because you've been caring for a loved one. I saw one of the most incredible men I respect so much. Seems like, I mean, he runs these giant companies and does all this incredible stuff. And I saw him just break down caring for some family members across the country. And he just, the pressure broke him. I'm like, you built all these crazy huge things and here you are broken at burnout. It could be chronic illness that you've been facing. It could be just a bunch of things, stress, new jobs, old jobs, bad bosses, relational strife, emergencies. It could be a combination of a million different things, but burnout's a real deal and you probably will hit it. And knowing this church, and I've been around here for about 14 years, and one thing I'll say about this church is y'all aren't lazy. There's not a lot of lazy folks sitting around. If you ask them, so what have you been up to? They go, I don't know, just hanging out watching Netflix. Y'all are juggling a lot of important kind of really cool things. Burnout's going to happen. So I wanted to talk a little bit about it. And the way I wanted to talk about it is not how to avoid it. This will not be a message on how to avoid burnout. Two tips from, from James Pedophiles. It's not a message... Um, about how to help others avoid it. It's just when you're there, when you are there and you collapse. Uh, why am I preaching on this? Okay, <laughs> I've hit burnout twice in my life, once severely, once pretty bad, and we've been in right now like a four-month live-in remodel, which is like the, it's, it's not, it's a dream come true for us. We are loving every second of it, but I started to get the flavor of it right about month four. It started to taste it again in my mouth. It wasn't full on there, but it's like, oh yeah, I know what this taste is. The taste of burnout. Last week, I'm in the middle of, I just finished, I don't know what I was doing, installing some subflooring, just screwing in and finished it and had to demo a little thing. And all of a sudden I just go, Brad, I can't go on, I'm done. I collapsed, I just laid down. Like I laid down literally on like the floor with wood and nails and just, I'm just, I'm not moving from here, babe. I'm just gonna stay here. I can't do it anymore. I just collapse, I'm just down. Now this was like a much lighter experience, but I'm like, hey, I'm preaching in a couple weeks. What should I preach on? How about burnout? Because I'm I'm it. I could taste it, it's in my mouth. And it's funny thing, burnout, because you forget about it. When your life is a little bit more normal, when there's a little margin, when you're experiencing human flourishing the way you were designed, you actually forget, at least I do, I forget about what it tastes like and how how ugly it is and how it sneaks up on you and you don't realize it until you're like, oh wait, this is really bad. And so I thought, let's talk about it. And I, I, I've also been in, in looking at first and second Kings and I'm like, why don't I just look at 
to talk about burnout, let's just look at one of the most amazing, weird, and I think meaningful episodes in all the Bible. And it happens to focus around a dude who is in full-on, big-time, no-holds-barred burnout. Unfiltered, organic, no added ingredients burnout. He's fully on his face, collapsing. Okay, so this is what we're going to do. I'm going to read the story. I want to notice a couple, what I learned from it. And maybe I'm preaching myself here, okay, preaching to myself. And then I'm going to bring up an expert. That's as far as I go. I'm going to bring up an expert to um, have a conversation with. And she is smoking hot. Again, not a creepy pastor. It's my wife. She's going to come up here. <laughs> Man, this is getting weird. Okay. So uh, if you would like to, um, let's listen to, let's read. And you could just listen if you want, or you could turn there. I think the Bible app has it too. First Kings chapter 19, and we're going to look at a character and kind of follow the collapse, the burnout of a character named Eliahu, or weirdly transliterated, Elijah, Eliahu. His name means Yahweh is my God. Yahweh is my God. In a um, polytheistic, ancient, Near Eastern context where multiple, multiple deities form these pantheons of all these different communities, there was Eliahu, his name declaring, Yahweh is my God. There is no other. Elisha. And he is, if, if you know a little bit about him, I won't give a full context. You can Wikipedia him. But he was a prophet in Israel. And a prophet is someone who speaks God's truth to God's people. He kind of is an intermediary saying God, to God's people, here are some things y'all need to know. And his job was gnarly. And he had just gotten done. This is the weird part. In chapter 18, we're going to be in 19 of 1 Kings. In chapter 18, he just finished his greatest moment. So in 19, when he hits burnout, you're kind of like, how? It's like you win the Academy Award, and the next day you hit burnout. And it's like you, you finally cash in on some giant stock options that you've, for a company that you've built, and the next day you hit burnout. You're done. He has this great power encounter with all these uh, prophets of Baal, who's a storm god, in, a fertility god in the Canaanite pantheon, and he's... They have this huge power encounter, and God shows up in the most amazing way. God shows up in this more than he's ever shown up in any moment of my life in a like physical, material, crazy way. And Elisha's standing there in full sort of spiritual victory. It's an amazing moment. And the very next chapter continues. Let's just read 1 Kings 19. Now Ahab, that's the king of Israel at the time. Ahab's, uh, he's a dude that says, like, let's... Let's worship God, but let's worship a bunch of other gods too. And if you know anything about the God, like read Hosea. The metaphor God likes to use for his relationship with his people is a marriage metaphor. So if my wife comes to me and says, Oh, James, I love you, but I also love these other guys too. So, you know, or if I say to her, I love you, babe, but I also love these other women too. And I want to go on dates with them. That does not work. That does not work at all. Okay, that's very, very not working. And that's how God frames his relationship with his people. It's like you can't hedge your bets with other deities. You are mine. I am yours. I've made a covenant with you. So this is the situation. Ahab, the king, says, ah, we'll, we'll go ahead and have other deities as well. 
He's got a wife named Jezebel. There's a name you probably haven't named your kids, right? Jezebel. It's a good goldfish name, though. You got goldfish? Name him Jezebel. It's a good name. But she is really, she's, a, she's from Sidonia. She's, okay, I, I said I wouldn't get into a bunch of context, so let me go. Uh, now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, how he killed the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I don't make your life like that of one of them. I'm going to kill you, Elijah. I'm going to kill you. Okay, this is Elijah who has seen God intervene in the most dramatic ways, and he's getting a death threat from someone who's truly just lost a giant power encounter. Elijah was afraid. He's afraid. He runs for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, and while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. So let's just track this. He's scared, and he's just getting out. He's withdrawing. I'm getting out of here. I'm just leaving into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I mean, if you read chapter 18 and I said, guess what happens in 19? There's no way you would guess if you didn't know. You'd think victory lap in 19. He runs for, you know, president in 19. He does something amazing with this great triumph. Instead, what does he do? He panics at an empty threat, a threat that just could not happen. He runs into the wilderness afraid and he lays down and he just goes, I just, I just, I don't want to be around anymore. I just want to lay down and die. Take my life, he says. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he laid down under the bush and fell asleep. He laid down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and by his head was some baked bread over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and he drank and then he laid down again. The angel of the Lord came to him a second time, touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. And then he travels for 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Horeb. Now, I want to uh, pause the story for a moment and just notice a couple things about burnout. And if I had a tip maybe that I could give to myself and to all of you. Um, when you're in burnout, when it's there, first of all, be honest about it. Like, be honest about it. I think it's so easy to deceive ourselves and tell ourselves it's just something else. Just, once this project's done, then I'll feel so much better. Once this relational problem is resolved, then it'll all be good. Or here's another one we could do very quickly and easily. Well, other people have it so much worse than me. I mean, there are people right now all over this world that are suffering so much worse than me. So you know what? I'm okay. I'm fine. If these are my only problems, I'm going to be okay. Right? Another one is like trying to fix the burnout by just maybe working harder, doing more. Just rush and add, add to what you're already doing. For me, I find that when I hit burnout, when I get near it, I actually check my email almost like 10 times a day. It's just a weird tick. Like, what else, is, what else do I have to do now? What other things are coming? And it's a weird moment. So being honest, and here you see Elijah 
And he's a stud, man. He's like a big dog, like spiritual giant. And what is Elijah doing? He's going, I'm wrecked. I am wrecked and I am out of here. I think being honest about it with ourselves is so important. And, you know, the, the phrase, your worst day is your worst day. Right? Your worst day is your worst day. It might not be someone else's worst day, but it's your worst day. And I think about this a lot when I was a junior high pastor, as Kathy mentioned. Um, I would regularly say to junior hires, and, and now I'm saying it to myself as a parent of a junior hire, which is crazy. Junior hires, when they feel pain, they feel it as real and visceral and truly as adults in their things. The things that we could look at youth and go, oh, you'll see, it's not a big deal. When you grow up, you'll realize it, it's, there's much worse things. The truth is the junior higher is feeling that pain so deeply in real high schoolers. Some of the architecture of the brain actually, they're probably feeling it even more so. Right? It's their worst day is their worst day. And so instead of playing the comparison game and calling it something else or denying it, it's being able to sit in it. And being so in touch with your emotions to be able to say, and here Elisha's just going, I'm done. I just physically collapse. And he gets, he gets still. I love this moment. He gets still and allows his God to care for him. He allows his God to care for him. Like this is so cool, the way God handles the moment. He doesn't show up to Elisha and say, Elisha, let's logically work through the gymnastics mentally that you're going through. Let's just tease him out. Let's think about it. You just defeated the prophets of Baal. You've just established a giant, giant uh, spiritual success. You're, you're, God's, on your, God's on your side. Let's get theological for a minute. This is, if, depending on the, your church background and where you grow up, this is a, oftentimes you'll meet it when you're in burnout or you're in a hard place and you share it. And the answer you get is, well, you know, God's sovereign and he's got you and you really shouldn't fear anything. As a matter of fact, you should delight, rejoice, brother, rejoice. God is good and he's for you. All of that is true. But do you think Elijah was in a place to process any of that? When you're in burnout, when you have collapsed, and if you're listening to this three months from now, you know what I'm talking about? If you're in that burnout moment and you're listening, when you've collapsed, your brain is not functioning logically. Theology and logic are not necessarily going to be the ways to address the moment you're in. Instead, what does God do? God tells him, lay down, sleep. Let me care for your body. Let me, let, let's just cut everything out. Remove all the distractions, all the noise. The world will go on without you. You are not the center of the universe. If you're not in the equation, society still functions by a miracle. You're st it's still going on. You, what you need right now is to be still and to be fed. And so if there is one or two of you in burnout, or when you are in burnout, giving yourself permission to just collapse, to just be cared for by the Lord, to receive and not say why you, you don't deserve it yet because you haven't finished your job or there's still loose ends or spinning wheels that I have to finish, but to sit and be cared for by God. It's actually a powerful moment. When I, when I had my little mini collapse, it was a mini. It was like a collapse light, like Diet Coke. It wasn't the full thing. Pitch for Diet Coke. Send me a case. 
Um, when I was on the ground, I, I just immediately went to this passage. I just saw Elisha laying there. Like, it's so funny because it's like you revert back to that childhood state. I see my son in Zion every time something goes wrong for him. Just, he's like in touch with, uh, I don't like this right now. And so some of you need to allow yourselves to collapse. Again, if you're a parent and you got the kids running around, or you got a lot of people depending on you, that collapse gets real tricky. But you've got to find that place and, and, and let yourself do it. And if you need to use Elijah as an excuse, then do it. If Elijah can collapse, then so can I. And say, God, I'm here. Without trying to theologize it, without trying to make it something it's not, just lay down and say, God, here I am. If you're on top of the world right now, again, this message is not for you. But when you are in burnout, permission to just collapse and let God care for you. Let your creator care for you. And it's a beautiful picture of the nurture of God here. These stories are captured and transmitted, not just because it's some interesting historical fact. These are stories that are teaching generations. And they're teaching us aspects of God and things about God that sometimes only a story can communicate. And I think this one is God cares for your body. He cares for your brain being still. So that's just one thought. What also is amazing is this care for Elijah is not to stop him from his ministry, calling, vocation, career. It's not to say it's too stressful. You got to do something totally different. Instead, the angel says several times, eat, drink, sleep, for the journey ahead is too much for you. God knows what is ahead for him. God knows the journey ahead and the mountains left to climb and says you have to care for yourself. And some of you are maybe oldest siblings. Some of you are like the type A kind of leader that feels like if I'm not eye on the ball, things fall apart. You have to hear this. The journey is too much for you. Lay down, eat, drink and allow the creator that made you, that knows your DNA strands, that knows your psychological profile, that knows your past, present, and future, your deepest dreams, deepest shame, deepest regret, deep biggest hopes, the God that knows all of that longs to care for you when you are collapsed. It's not weakness or failure. It's weakness, of course. It's human weaknesses, but it's not failure. It's allowing the God who created you to care for you. And then he takes him on this journey. Now the theology comes. After he's been cared for, after he's had time to restore his body, there's no explanation like, Elijah, I, I, just, I just defeated the prophets of Baal. How can you say that you're going to die? Instead, he just cares for him. Then he sends him on this journey. And then he goes to Mount Horeb where he is going to have like the theology lesson of all theology lessons. This is why this is one of the coolest, most iconic moments in the Bible. It's a moment where Eliyahu meets Yahweh. Where God, God shows up for him. And again, God is, theologically speaking, philosophically, ontologically speaking, God is not like a physical being, right, that has a shape and a form and a gender and all these like, things that we think of when we think of human beings. But God shows up, manifests himself in particular ways throughout scripture, surprising ways. And check out how he does it for Elijah. This is 
so cool. So the word of the Lord came. I'm sorry. Okay. So he, he goes up to a cave at Horeb and he spends the night. He goes to sleep and the word of the Lord comes to him. And he says this, what are you doing here, Elijah? I don't know. These encounters with God are so precious to me. I don't, it's, it's just a beautiful moment when God sits and asks a question. What are you doing here, Elijah? Drawing something out of him. Elijah, what are you doing here? He replied, I've been zealous for the Lord God Almighty. You know that. The Israelites, they've rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars. They put your prophets to death by the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me. He allows Elijah to puke it all up. Do you realize God is not insecure? He's not an egomaniac with a thin ego. He's a God that will allow your pain. We have friends that have lost spouses, amazing moms that have lost spouses young. And this year particularly, and, and watching their little ones hit them and so angry. And, the, and the, the mom feels like, I didn't raise my kids this way. This isn't how I wanted it, but their kids don't know where their dad is and they're so mad. And they're, they're, they're just acting out because they're hurting And that beautiful nurturing picture of a mother receiving the blows of a kid, knowing that kid is in pain. It's the picture of a God who wants to hear you. He doesn't want you to censor it to him. He doesn't want you to tell him a story that you know is okay and nice and tidy and plays well on a podcast. He wants to hear what's going on, even if it's irrational, even if it's nuts, even if it's totally the product of burnout. Let him talk. He lets Elijah talk to him. And he, the Lord says this, go out and stand on the mountain. The presence of the Lord, of Yahweh, is about to pass by. What is God's answer to him? I'm going to show you myself right now. After Elijah has just viscerally reacted to God, all of his complaints. God doesn't say, well, I'm coming back later when you've cleaned up your act. He says, I'm coming, I'm passing by. Then here's how God passes by. A great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. The ground is shaking, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came fire, and you're thinking, this is the God who created the universe. So, Wind, earthquake, fire, one of these has got to be that powerful God. And Elisha's going to say to himself, I must perish. What have I done? Instead, what happens? After the earthquake, after the fire, which the Lord was not in, after the fire came a kol de mama. Kol de mama. That's a cool Hebrew phrase came the voice of a whisper. When you are collapsed, when you are at the end of your humanity, when the weight of the world that you have been maybe foolishly holding up by yourself comes crashing down on you and it all falls apart and you are empty and there is bleak cynicism and hopeless, 
The God that shows up here is the voice of a whisper. And he asks again, Malacha po Eliahu, why are you here, Elijah? Why are you here? I'm going to stop the story there. There's so much more, and it keeps going, and it's amazing. It's an adventure. But this little piece of, of Scripture, I, I hope, encourages you when you hit burnout. And so, one more piece I want to mention um, is Jesus himself. God in the bod, God incarnate. When God comes downstairs and walks with us and lives in a historical moment, it's a, it's a crazy audacious truth claim, but it's one that Christianity holds, that God came and dwelt with us somehow. It's mind-blowing to think about that, as so much of reality is mind-blowing. Jesus in Gethsemane, he's about to be crucified. He's in utter duress and stress. He, I don't want to say burnout because I, I don't know. It's, but it's, it's like more stress than you and I have ever borne. It's pretty darn bad. I want you to listen to what he does. Uh, I'll just read from Matthew 26, and you can just listen or quickly scroll there. Jesus went to his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. He began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then what does he say to them? Jesus tells his ex-fisherman disciples, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Do you, did you hear that? Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah, God's incarnate presence with us on earth. In his moment of deep, what we might say comes close to burnout, what does he say? He asks disciples, can you just sit with me? Can you please just sit with me? And they can't. They end up falling asleep a couple times on him. But I mean, okay, if you are soloing it, if you're lone rangering it, if people have failed you in life, and so you've made a decision long ago, I need to go alone. If I don't do it, it won't get done and you hit burnout, and suddenly the panic hits, and you realize there's no hope. Take a note from Jesus, take a note from Elisha, and reach out. Jesus said, I need someone around me right now. I need people around me. So my tip, if you will, last tip I want to give, and this is kind of a before you burn out, is make sure you're surrounded. Make sure you are so in community. Because lone rangering can be fun and amazing sometimes. You can get a lot more done. You could be more efficient. You could avoid a lot more entanglements and relational challenges if you just go it alone. Maybe you're pleasing a father figure or grandfather figure of your past that's not even maybe in your world anymore and you're, you've been living up to this weird expectation that you have to do it by yourself. I want you to see Jesus in the garden, in utter anguish, asking regular, uneducated fishermen, can you please just sit with me? I need you with me right now. So before you collapse, be surrounded. Be surrounded. So my, my 
Um, this could be the form of spouse, letting your spouse in in your world and maybe taking your relationship to a level that it has not been before. That might take some therapy. That might take getting with the mentor couple. That might take some hard conversations and some changing family patterns or, or, or and or a dear friend group, a best friend, a couple people, not everyone. You don't need everyone in your holy of holies, your sort of most intimate moments. You don't need everyone in your emotional chaos. But there needs to be one, two, or three people you can say, can, I, can you just sit with me? I just need you to be with me right now. And if you don't know who that is or you don't think about it or you can't think of those people, that might be a fun, like, important thing to start praying about and pursuing. Maybe there's one or two people I need to let into my life, invite in. And um, when I collapse, when burnout happens, there's a phone call to make. There's, there's someone to just come and sit with you in the middle of it. So I want to uh, invite up an expert in this. So as I said, I've kind of hit burnout twice in my life, gnarly style. And then, I don't know, I've hit like several nearing, near burnout moments. And as you know, Bray and I are also, uh, Bray, come on up here. Come on, beautiful woman. You. Yes, you can clap. My gosh. So uh, we're also foster parents. And that first two weeks of any new placement is gnarly. I mean, it really is a, like, dude, Caitlin over here, DCFS social worker hero of mine. Uh, she could tell you she sees parents all the time. It is a really rough but beautiful transition. So we've together kind of in this weird dance of like, okay, how do we, if I'm collapsing and she's collapsing, how do we sort of enter into each other's world? So I just wanted to ask you, Bray, a couple questions. We'll have a little conversation. Uh, <laughs> and um, so how do you enter in? Because you're very good at it with me. You are. So tell, talk to me about that a little bit. Talk to us. Okay, first, I am not an expert in it at all. My go-to instinct is escape. And when he was laying on the ground, <laughs> I literally like just kept nailing things into the ground and was like, Jesus, you're going to take care of this, right? And he's literally on the ground. And I'm like, do-do-do. And he's like, Bray, can you, can you just put the hammer down? I need you to sit with me. And I was like, but it's not my go-to. It's, it's a choice that, and it's something that we learned in therapy is entering into each other's worlds without owning it. And it's super hard to not own it. Um, but I think something that we've learned in that together and what, what I, after I got over my escapism was when I think it's scary sometimes to sit with someone when they're f having a burnout or a meltdown or a hard time because it can be really triggering for you. And I knew like I'm kind of feeling a little burnout too. And of course I totally burned out like a few days later, but I was feeling it. And I was like kind of, if I engage and sit with him, it's totally going to trigger me. and. I don't want to go there right now. I just, I need to be able to finish this project and I'm just going to put my head down and all the unhealthy things. Um, but he asked, he said, will you come sit with me? And so I did. And to me, it, it felt like scary. Like he's on, it felt like a big tidal wave and I was scared to get hit by it. And so I just, not by me, but by not him. by him, <laughs> not hit, hit by like his emotions, felt like tidal wave. And so I'm sitting beside him and I literally was just like, are you hearing this, Jesus? Like, this is really scary. 
And he was like, yeah. And I said, what are we going to do about this? And he's like, you're going to be quiet and just listen. And I kept going, are you sure? Are you sure? Should we? Did you hear what he just said? Are you sure we're still supposed to be quiet? Yeah. He's going he's gonna to get there. So I just sat there quiet, scared, and Jesus was like, you get to sit with me, and I am keeping you safe, and I will help him. You sit with me. I'll be between you and him. And it totally, once I got over escaping and running away, it totally worked out because he did crash, and it wasn't scary because I knew God had him, and he I just watched him get swept up with, with what God had and all the truth, and God reminded him. I didn't say anything about 1 Kings 19, which I love that chapter, but he came to that because God was already doing a work in him. It wasn't my responsibility, but I got to sit with him in it, and he does that for me all the time. He's way better at it than I am, but it can be triggering. Every Even though we've been practicing this for like 11 years, it can be really triggering still and so it's hard but um i'm definitely not an expert in it okay no to- no i love like i think that is that is one of those pieces that um i have to relearn and remember again and again every time if i'm entering in with bray and she's in a really hard spot or with p- folks just as a pastor or as a professor with students that are like really in a tough place and there, there's a weird i gotta fix this problem that a lot of us click into. How do I fix it? Well, what if we did this? What if we do this? What if you space your time out better? Or like, what's the wise theology I can download right now and give to them? And it's when you actually do believe in a God that has created this person, and you actually do believe that God cares more about them than you do, and that God knows more about them than you do, and you are not God. Isn't that cool? Elijah's name, like God... Yahweh is my God. Like, you are not God. He is God. It actually frees you up to be able to sit in the crazy and go, I don't have to fix this right now. I'm called to sit and be here. And when the words come, and Bray had these words, like, from God, like, James, go leave the work, go to the beach, and just lay there. Just go by yourself and just be there. And sometimes when you're in burnout, you actually don't even need, like, a you know, two weeks stent at the Betty Ford Center to, to making wicker baskets to kind of work it out. Sometimes there are things where you do actually need to go get some treatment, get into some serious therapy. But sometimes you just need someone to sit, let you know you're not crazy, and then to be free for a little bit. And, and, and you provided that for me. So the whole entering in without owning I think it's a big one. That's going for arguments too and for bad days, for a lot of stuff, not just burnout. Being able to enter in with someone and not own it, even if like they're saying things about you. And you're like, ooh, I don't like that. That's not true. I want to defend myself. It's a it's a big one. So what like last thing, I don't even know what time it is, I have no idea, but okay. What uh, last thing for you, babe, like what what is for you when you hit burnout? What helps you the most? What helps you when you're in burnout? Like what do you need? What do you find helpful? I Same thing. It's just the, like, letting. Because, of course, then, like, a few days later, I totally hit it and basically tried to break up with my best friend. <laughs> and she <laughs> drove up to my house and was like, what is happening right now? 
And I'm just like, I don't know. I just feel crazy. I want to escape everything. That's my unhealthy go-to. And she, like, listened to me be, like, super crazy. Like, I just was patient and listened to me say things when she could have probably wanted to just be like, that doesn't make sense. She just listened. And then when I would, like, got it all out and was quiet, she spoke truth. And James did, too. But just here's what's true right now and this is what God says about you this is what the situation like kind of above the circumstance here's what's ultimately true and you need to take care of yourself and you're going to be okay like all the basics not trying to fix it or here's what you should do today or anything she just listened and then and she didn't, she wasn't like offended that I tried to quit our friendship. She was like, um, okay, I know that's not you. You're just in it right now. And here's, um, gosh, I sound like a really crazy, mean person. I like escaped my husband. I tried to break up with my best friend. It's okay. <laughs> um, but anyway, she just spoke truth. And, and I think that that is what helps me. And James does the same thing. Like, listens when it's when it goes really well is when he just listens to the crazy instead of like what that's not I didn't do that or I didn't say that or that doesn't make any sense but just listens because you kind of work it out yourself once you get all the things out you're not being logical so you don't need someone to like come at you with logic and then he speaks truth and like it's okay it's gonna be okay here's what's really true and go rest or why don't you just take the day off or why don't you just I'll, I'll put the kids to bed or whatever it is you're like she has kids uh oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> hence the crazy burnout um, no babe thanks so much for coming up here I know she's not thrilled to publicly speak ever but like I'm like babe you gotta come up here I love you so much I love you so we're, we're gonna we're going to transition now. And, you know, this this message, it's like I kind of intentionally didn't really want it to be like a real buttoned up, tight, like logically progressing sermon with, you know, three points and two sub points. But just to splash our way through the text and maybe find some comfort and some wisdom for when you do inevitably hit burnout. And so we're going to have the worship team come up, but I want to do something. And it might be a little bit of a risk for some of you. This is not a invitation. If you decide to stand up, this is not you saying, I want people to, you know, follow up with me for the next two months. I want to be, you know, brought into therapy. I want all this. Maybe just this morning, you're like, dude, I came and I'm like wrecked myself. I'm like on half collapse right now. And I just need a few people around me and we could do it, you know, you could do a social distancing style, whatever, but the few people staying around you during this first song to maybe just pray for you, just to pray for you. Know you're not alone. So I, this is, again, there doesn't have to be anyone. I'm not expecting, I'm not going to wait for people to stand up. I don't get paid extra if there's a response, but that would be awesome. I'd really, no, that would be terrible. Um, but, but what I want to invite you to do is if you just need, like, I need some people to pray for me. I'm, I'm burned out. I'm tired. I'm pain. Feel free in this song. I just want you to stand up. And, and it takes a little courage. And, 
And if that adds to your stress, then don't do it. <laughs> Just sit there and, and maybe get someone you know or someone who brought you to pray for you today. But I just want to give you the opportunity right now. If you feel like you need some prayer, you're just in it. Or just stressed out. You need some prayer. Feel free to stand up right now. And uh, the people that are kind of around you are just going to pray for you. And w- while the music's playing, it won't be a big deal. So I just want to invite you right now. If that's you, feel free to stand up and have some people. All right, the people right around you. Thank you so much. So if you're st- sitting around someone who's, who's standing up, you feel, make your way over. And uh, just know you're not alone. And it's so courageous and it shows strength to say, I'm not doing okay. I'm in a really hard spot right now. So let's, let's do some worship and do some prayer.
song together as we were reminded that our God is good Amen. our God is good today, yesterday, tomorrow he is good always, amen Amen. let's sing this together Oh 
God is faithful through every t- every time in our life, through the highs and through the lows. He's there, so let us come to Him in all of it, in the burnout, in the struggle, in the problems. That we come to Him and say, God, we know You are good. And let us find rest and healing in You. Surround us with Your peace. So when we go out of here, let us keep that in our hearts. If that's for tomorrow, if that's for a month, a year from now, God, that we know that we can come to Him. Amen. 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 Go out in peace. Have a great rest of your Sunday.